millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi there, and welcome again to the Explaining History podcast. And today I want to talk a little bit about the workings of Comintern in the interwar period. Uh, Comintern, the uh, international organization established after the Russian Revolution, after the Bolshevik seizure of power, um, initially uh, meant to be uh, the next iteration of the Communist International uh, as the First and Second Internationals had existed uh, across Europe before the revolution. This was the uh, supposedly the organisation of the Third International. Um, it attracted communists uh, from around the world, um, from Western Europe, uh, from Asia and uh, America and beyond. But it was under uh, in the, the mid to late 1920s and then during the 1930s, it has an entirely different purpose. It is a, a means of controlling communist parties in non-communist countries. So every um, communist party in Europe is answerable to Comintern and expected to take the Comintern line. Dissenting communist parties across Europe um, feel um, the pressure of loyalists and of um, illegals, uh, the Soviet uh, agents in embassies abroad, uh, breathing down their necks. And there were uh, some who met with um, violence and some who were even murdered um, for um, the uh, crime of uh, dissenting attitudes towards Stalinism. And during the uh, 1930s, of course, the question of Spain is what uh, kind of uh, common turn is galvanised uh, around uh, finding um, international volunteers for. Um, the international brigades are, are, are the creation of Comintern. So, here we're looking at Anne Applebaum's uh, excellent book, Iron Curtain, The Crushing of Eastern Europe. And previously, we'd looked at uh, uh, Matthias Rakosi, uh, Walter Ulricht, and Boleslaw Beirut, um, uh, the three uh, leaders of Communist Hungary, East Germany and Poland respectively. 
and they uh, the three of them were deeply uh, in uh, were were deeply connected to Comintern during the uh, interwar period, and this is a, a reason why. Uh, they were so successful in their careers after the war. These were the kinds of communists that the Soviets rather liked, and they were less enamoured with those from uh, Western countries. Okay, so um, as uh, Anne Applebaum writes, she says, As their biographies reveal, these three men did share certain things. All of them had worked closely with Comintern. All of them had survived the war either by fleeing to Moscow or by obtaining Moscow's help. In shorthand that later became popular, all of them were Moscow communists, that is, Soviet-trained communists as opposed to communists who'd made their careers in their own countries or communists who'd spent the war in Western Europe or North America. From the Soviet point of view, uh, the latter two groups were less reliable. They might well have acquired suspicious views or dubious contacts uh, in their years spent outside the USSR. So, this term, uh, Moscow communists, um, is symptomatic of the kind of paranoid state of the um, kind of Stalinist regime, of even those who profess to be communists, the extent to which they were uh, Stalinists and not Trotskyites, the extent to which they were not somehow revisionists and and uh, um, pursuing a softer social democrat democratic line, the extent to which they had been compromised by uh, Western security services already was unknown to Stalin, and he was um, very very cautious about these kinds of individuals. In some ways, they were more dangerous than the enemies that present themselves with uh, sort of uh, tanks and aircraft on your borders, because they're the people who can get within. They're the ones that can spread seditious ideas within and cause all sorts of trouble. Moscow communists um, would play uh, a significant role in the creation of all the post-war governments across Eastern Europe. Um, Clement Gottwald, the Czechoslovak Little Stalin, for example, had been a Comintern leader, as had Joseph Tito, um, the partisan leader who became uh, the Yugoslav dictator, Georgi uh, Dimitrov, uh, Bulgaria's little Stalin, who was the leader of Comintern for almost a decade, and he was put on trial by the Nazis um, uh, as uh, following the Reichstag uh, fire. But this didn't just contain itself to Eastern Europe. Maurice Thorez. Um, the leader of the French um, Communist Party uh, during and after the war, and Palmiro Togliatti, who had the same uh, position in the Italian Communist Party, were also Moscow Communists. Um, both these figures were intimately connected in Comintern affairs, and this is why in 1946-47, the Communist Party in Italy and in France were of huge anxiety to uh, America and to the growing intelligence operation in America um, that was uh, fearful that unless something was done that Western Europe would start to slide towards communism uh, as well. So um, there was every possibility, though the chance never presented itself, 
um, that the uh, the two men would have wanted to seize power in Western Europe. In a way, the uh, devastation of Eastern Europe by Hitler, and then by Stalin as well, created the conditions for Stalinism in those countries. Uh, the uh, devastation in France and in Italy, well, significant, in terms of lives lost and infrastructure destroyed, is no in no way near comparable to that which was experienced by countries such as Poland. Um, and the fact that um, the Red Army presence on the soil of those countries in 1945 dictated all other facts. There were a couple of exceptions uh, across Eastern Europe. Um, the post-war communist uh, government in um, Romania, uh, by, run by Georg, Georgiou Dej, um, was uh, run by a non-Moscow communist, uh, a, a local. Um, but this meant that, in many ways, the levels of kind of obsequiousness and um, the levels of kind of bending the knee to Moscow went uh, far far further in Romania than they might have done actually in somewhere like Czechoslovakia or East Germany. The names and the faces of uh, these little Stalins would uh, slowly appear all across their home countries. Um, but um, what tended to happen is that the better-known figures like uh, Ulbricht or uh, Gottwald uh, were then supplemented by other Moscow communists, so the Czech or German Moscow communists, um, who were there to ensure um, ideological purity, um, who were there to report on the new leaders of uh, newly uh, Stalinized countries back to Moscow, and also were there to uh, fulfil the role of potential successor uh, in waiting, should one leader uh, not work out. Uh, so there were entire generations of uh, Moscow communists um, populating every tier of government. Um, Anne Applebaum writes, uh, Boleslav Bayrot's um, two most important psychics, Jakob Berman uh, and Hilary Minch, um, the, um, the former in charge of ideology and propaganda, and the latter in control of the economy, would eventually line up uh, with him against uh, Warsaw or home communists such as Gomulka. In Hungary, uh, Rakosi also headed a troika of Moscow communists. The other two members were Josef Revai and Erno Gerol, um, again in charge of ideology and economics, respectively. Michali Farkas, uh, Minister of Defence between 1948 and 53, was another important sidekick. All of them would eventually turn against the Budapest communists, too. In Germany, Ulbricht's most important colleague, Wilhelm Pick, um, who had a long uh, Comintern history, having been General Secretary of the organisation from 1938 to 43, From the very earliest days of Soviet occupation, all of the German communists who returned to Berlin early 
on planes flown directly from Moscow, or in the company of Red Army troops, all had higher status than those German communists who found refuge in France, where many were harassed by French authorities, Morocco, uh, where they lurked in the background of the film Casablanca, Sweden, where Bertolt Brecht lived for a while, Mexico, um, very, um, then very friendly to communists in the United States. The Soviet leadership even considered them more trustworthy than the German communists who'd stayed in Germany to fight the Nazis. Now here is one of the, the great and cruel ironies of Stalinism, that um, only the uh, bureaucrats who had, uh, for the most part, avoided any um, as much danger as possible during the war by uh, hiding out in Moscow. Only they were considered to be um, the, the worthwhile um, leaders of the new Stalinist states to be established across Eastern Europe. Those that had properly got their hands dirty, and from France to Greece, from um, uh, the Low Countries to Poland, there were communist partisans, who, um, and obviously deep into Russia, there were... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Communist partisans whose efforts were significant in... um, grinding down the Nazi war machine. Uh, I think there was a study done a couple of years ago that suggested that uh, the uh, the French communists uh, took more of the risks, more of the casualties, and had more of the successes than the Gaullists in, in the resistance um, could uh, really, really claim. Um, so, But it was these homegrown communist partisans were the ones who were kind of thrown under the bus first and when they object to the return of Moscow communists who have their own uh, agendas um, then they face some pretty unpleasant circumstances. Um, The communists who had suffered at the hands of the Nazis, um, those who had been political prisoners in the concentration camps, 
they actually, uh, instead of being seen as, as martyrs to the cause, were, were treated with immense suspicion by the Soviets. The first question the Soviets asked is, how did you survive? What did you do in the camps when so many other communists died? How did you survive? Who did you make deals with? Who did you compromise with? Who did you betray? And the fear was that um, the communists in the camps that might have been turned by the Nazis would then be recruited by the Western powers and be uh, dangerous subversives. Um, the um, existence of those who had uh, been prisoners of the Nazis um, was uh, very, very... Um, in um, communist uh, propagandist terms, this was a real problem. Now, there's a separate issue of Soviet soldiers taken prisoner by the Nazis um, and their fate when they returned to the Soviet Union, which is a pretty, pretty bleak, uh, but we'll attend to that another time. So, throughout Eastern Europe, the Moscow communists were united not just by a common ideology, but also by a common commitment to Comintern's overall goal of worldwide revolution. Um, the idea that world, of worldwide revolution seemed very achievable in 1945, um, so achievable that it had the Western capitalist powers highly alarmed. Knowing what we know now with hindsight, we can see perhaps the, uh, the impossibility of this, or the naivety of it, or, or whatever. But, but being no doubt, it's a great many people like Ulbricht, or Gomulka, um, or um, Bayrut, saw these things as, as not just historical realities, but historical inevitabilities. If you read, kind of like read the tea leaves of, of Marx as kind of historical dialectic, then revolution was just going to come. Um, the declaration that Stalin had of socialism in one country um, during the 1930s had um, kind of ended um, the tension between the Soviet Union and the Western powers. The Soviet Union, up until that point, had been seen as a, an expansionist force, a force of constant subversion, something that was spreading revolution and frightening uh, capitalist governments um, uh, around the world. However, even when Stalin um, declared that he, the, the, role, the goal was to defend the revolution within one country, to build up socialism there, to build uh, factories and war industries and, and a vast arsenal to defend the country, um, even then, it obviously didn't uh, deter um, Stalin from using um, his secret services and also from using uh, Comintern to um, spread as much subterfuge um, across Europe as possible. Um, it, they were simply uh, another means of advancing warfare against the West uh, instead of the Red Army. Um, and w as we know, um, the biggest intelligence coup um, that the Soviets had were the Cambridge spy ring, um, and Guy Burgess, Kim Philby, Donald McLean, Anthony Blunt. Um, the, there were other 
uh, intelligence uh, operatives who were recruited um, at GCHQ, John Cancross, um, who um, later uh, worked um, on uh, Bletchley Park during the war. Um, John Cancross himself was uh, not one of the kind of uh, the 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 um, uh, member of the uh, the Cambridge Circle. He was, by his own uh, admission, posthumous uh, admission, um, a, a working class socialist who had decided voluntarily to help the Soviet Union. He wasn't so much recruited as volunteered. In America, there were obviously the likes of um, Alger Hiss, Harry Dexter White and Whittaker Chambers. And here we've got this, this kind of division between East and West. We have the um, Western um, spies and double agents um, who were feeding information to Comintern. And then in the East, you have people who, like Walter Ulbricht, who are explicitly um, openly communist, who have been part of um, condemned communist parties across Europe and have fled um, to to Moscow and done Moscow's bidding quite openly. Uh, one of the things about the, the British spies is that they were encouraged to, as quickly as possible, repudiate the Communist Party. Um, but there is a connection between them. They were all willing to work closely with Soviet intelligence. Um, and for a while, most European communists um, considered... Either that so working um, close to Soviet intelligence, should they have had the opportunity, would be perfectly morally acceptable and perfectly okay. Um, or some who were recruited um, were happy to kind of go along with this. The, the degree of orthodoxy is in large part to do with the, the crushing of Trotskyism uh, and other kind of um, schisms and other um, kind of uh, sectarian communist um, parties uh, across Europe. And the degree of uh, conformity is also a kind of a, a key feature of, of Stalinism. It's only after 1956 and the uh, Budapest uprising that really um, the, the world of European communism begins to fragment and fall apart and, you know, people... Um, leaving European Communist parties in, in vast numbers. So, um, Anne Applebaum uh, writes, through their links to Soviet secret police, though their links to Soviet secret police are now let, uh, felt, in retrospect, to have tarnished American and European Communist parties, it did not bother the leaders of those parties at the time. Generally speaking, those in the West who believed in the desirability of world revolution uh, also thought that this revolution would be led by the Soviet Communist Party and thus facilitated by the Soviet secret police. Even the American Communist Party took money from the USSR, uh, sometimes channeled through Comintern. Many left-wing intellectuals at the time knowingly met NKVD agents on a regular basis as a matter of course. There was no stigma, as there would be in later years in taking Moscow gold or in doing a few favours for the local undercover agents of the NKVD, or, as it was later known, the KGB. 
To the truly dedicated, the goals of the USSR, of the Comintern, of the USSR's spies, and of their own national communist parties, would have been would have seemed utterly interchangeable. And there, I mean, the, the fascinating thing about Comintern is that you start to find the makings of this strange kind of um, transnational political kind of uh, polity, if you will, uh, across Europe, where communist parties and communist activists look to Moscow, um, they see solidarity with other communist parties in places like Spain, they view themselves as having very little to do with the society that they're existing in, that they essentially wish to uh, overthrow, uh, and they are often highly immersed in these kind of quite obscurantist um, debates happening, happening at the heart of uh, Stalin's Russia. They adopted the Leninist model of hierarchical party uh, organisation, um, this sort of notion of this kind of contradictory notion of democratic centralism. Um, they developed general secretaries and politburos, uh, commissars. Um, they referred to one another as obviously as comrades, um, and they began to develop the same kind of level of anti-democratic bureaucratism that the Soviet Union saw um, as well. For each of the um, parties of Western Europe, the uh, and Eastern Europe as well, the the opportunity of uh, a visit to the Soviet Union was was present, particularly for a certain given small number of um, party officials. Um, those who were considered to be rising stars within their movement were invited to and allowed to study at the Lenin School in Moscow. Uh, this was really a school for training Comintern agents, and there were Comintern agents uh, across Europe um, who were uh, engaged in doing uh, the, the bidding of the organisation in, in the interwar years. So we'll finish there, but there in there is a, a, a fascinating relationship between the development of Comintern in the interwar years, and what its alumni therefore do in the immediate aftermath of the Second World War. Anyway, thanks for listening, and I'll catch you on the next Explaining History podcast. Thank you. All the best. Bye-bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 